Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, and current events, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and I think my favorite crime-solving TV show is Scandal. Have you ever seen Scandal? I'm aware that it exists. Okay, well, that's a good forward step for Misty, who's not aware most things exist. So I'm Misty, and I think my favorite crime show is Law and Order. Which one? SVU. Okay. And we have a guest today. We do. It's a returning guest. It's a guest you all know and love. Hello, I'm Christina, and my favorite crime show is How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, okay. Another good one. She was going to say Matlock, <laughs> by the way, and then she changed her answer because she knew we would mock her. So just let's still mock her. So as you've probably guessed today, we're talking uh, about crime again. Crime. And female Detective. law enforcement. Yeah, crime solvers. On TV. Yeah. So the first one was history and literature. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be the fictional portrayal on TV. TV, which is everyone's favorite medium, I think. Right? Well, I mean, people that don't read books. <laughs> I read books. But let's talk about why TV is important for a minute, shall we? Sure. Do you think... It's culturally important. Do you think that what happens on TV affects and impacts the behavior and culture of the people? So we talked about this before with our TV episode, right? About how television can either lead culture or be a reflection of culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it does both. So there are times when it is ahead of the game Mm -hmm. as far as the rest of society. Uh, Things like Modern Family with a same-sex couple. That was probably a little ahead of its curve when it first aired. Yeah. And then you have sometimes where it lags behind. Like families that have you know one income but still live in a super nice house yeah yeah that's not really a realistic portrayal that's kind of stuck in the 1950s so i think it can do both yeah so in general when we're talking about crime solving tv shows and that's police procedurals or what they're usually called there's still more male detectives men are still out solving women and Women-led shows are very rare. Almost all of these ensemble shows have female characters, and some of them are female co-leads like CSI, but female-led shows are very rare. The only three I can really think of that come to mind as being very prominent and very recent are Bones, Veronica Mars, and The Closer. The Closer was on TNT. Are you, have you ever heard of any of those? We talked about Bones on the last episode. Yes, so I've okay. heard of Bones. I think I know what Veronica Mars is. Okay. Because I had Kristen Bell. Yes. Good. Good All for right. me. You know things. And I have no idea what the closer is. Okay. That's well, brand it's, new. It's good. It has Keir Sedgwick. We're going to talk about it in detail later, but it's remarkable because she's the she is the lead. She's the boss of the whole squad. The other thing about women's stories is they often explore the challenges that women face in male-dominated field. Like, female police officers on these TV shows discuss how they get discriminated against or how hard it is to be promoted in the ranks or how rare it is for a female to be a captain. They talk about men and fellow officers staring at them or giving them lewd glares, the male gaze, right? Yeah, Gender Studies 101. Right. And a lot of times, and we started talking about this last time, women make use of their sexuality to kind of exploit the criminals in order to solve crimes, right? They like flirt their way into getting the answers they or want. Or other female roles assigned to them, like Angela Lansbury being the yeah 
the little old lady that can't possibly harm anyone. Right, exactly. A lot of times on the shows, their competence is openly questioned. Like people directly question whether they can do the job because they're women. And so the shows are exploring those kinds of challenges. And most of those portrayals are intersectional. So if you think about the original Law and Order, I don't know if you've ever seen it. So Anita Van Buren was the lieutenant. She's also a black woman who was the captain of the squad. And so a lot of the storylines have to do with her being discriminated against on two fronts, social class, sexuality, immigration, all of those kinds of things come up in women's stories on these shows. And they also show a lot of women using technology and science. So have you seen NCIS? Yes. Okay. You have? Yes. I, don't, I was really expecting you to say no. What about Criminal Minds? Yes. Okay. So both of those shows, the, the brains of the operation is a woman. Now, it's a woman who doesn't get into the action. She's like the person in the lab or the person doing all the computer stuff. But she's kind of the brains of the operation. And she's brings the whole case together and often is the one who solves it or figures it out. So generally... Crime shows are more likely to expose us to diversity because they're always ensemble shows. So they have a they have more characters and they're more likely to expose people to diversity. More socioeconomic statuses, of course, because we have victims of crime and criminals. We have subcultures. Diverse lifestyles are explored. I The first thing that comes to mind is there's an episode of CSI where they talk about plushies and, fl- and furries, right? That's a subculture. Yep, okay. sure is. Missy wasn't expecting me to say that. Uh, And there are, so the representation that comes along with crime shows as we, to continue our discussion from last time is often important. And that's why Christine is here because Christine is going to talk to us about representation, right? Yes. You remember why you're here? Uh, It's not just to listen to me. just reminded me, yes. Representing, (laughs) yes. Okay, so tell us about a crime show that's on TV right now. I think that comes back this week, even. Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? I am referring to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> so yes. there is a lot of representation on that show. Yes, that. definitely. Misty, you watch it? No. So there, the boss is a black male gay captain. Terry Crews is on that show. So he's lieutenant, I think. I believe so, yes. And there are two Hispanic female detectives. Yes. Then, of course, we have Andy Samberg. I guess he's representing the goofballs of the world. Yes, definitely. He's doing a great job. And one of the female detectives is bisexual. Yes, Rosa Diaz. Okay, mm-hmm. so talk to us about why you like the show and what what you think the representation here is. Well, I like the show because it's hilarious. It's so funny. And it's, in my opinion, witty. Some may say corny, but... Some of it's corny. Yeah, Yes, that, yeah, that's true. But I think a lot of it is uh, very witty witty and humorous, and they have fun at work. They do. Shocker. I know. It, we don't, but... Hey. I, well, hey. Just hey. kidding. She's our <laughs> boss. We have so much fun. Tons of fun. I mean, I guess we're recording this podcast at work. Yeah, that's true. But they do. They solve crimes. They do. They do. They're both very strong women. Who? Uh, the, the female Hispanic detective, Latina detectives. Do you know their names? Rosa Diaz. And uh, Amy Santiago. Good job. I keep wanting to call them by their last names because that's typically what they call them yeah, on the show. On the yeah. show. Diaz and Santiago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So which one's your favorite? It's it's a tough call. I would have to say Diaz because... The every- motorcycle? Yes. Well, everyone's scared of her. 
Not she, that I want people to be scared of me. You kind of do. A, a little bit. But not in that sense. But they're very good at solving crimes. Yes, they are. They're very smart. Amy is annoyingly smart. She reminds me a lot of you. No offense. Um, but she's knowledgeable and she likes people to know that she's knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And she's a little bit of a kiss up. So I think the the coolest, which is also like Allegra. Thanks, Misty. So I think the I didn't say that. The coolest part of this is that representation doesn't just mean you have one Latina character. Yes. The cool thing here is we have two. Two very different. And they're very different. Mm -hmm. So not only are we saying Latina women exist, they exist on the police force, they have professional jobs, they can be good at their jobs, Mm -hmm. but there are different ways to be a Latina woman. Yes. Right? Yeah. So exploring kind of reinforcing the idea that there isn't a stereotypical way to perform this job or to fulfill this role, right? Yes, or to be a Latina. So, um, you know, a lot, typical representation of Latinas in the past has been the bombshell, the, you know, Charo character, Uchi Kuchi. I don't know if you ever saw her. <laughs> it's a little over the top. Um, I don't know any women like that in real life. So that was interesting for me. So having these characters on there is more, realistic representation of Latinas in my eyes because um, that's they're characters that I've seen more of versus the bombshell. I mean, I have seen a lot of bombshell Latinas. We just can't help it. We're hot. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, it's very, I'm appreciative because I never thought of it before you approached me about this topic because I know, I know Diaz is, uh, plays Cubana. I don't know if she's Cubana in real life. Um, I'm not sure about Amy Santiago, but uh, it also represents, different representation of Latinos in general because mm-hmm. we're not all Mexican. Huh? Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. And they and they both have, at different times on the show, their families on the show. Yes. And they have very different family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy's dad is played by Jimmy Smith, who is from NYPD Blue mm-hmm. and the West Wing. But who plays Rose's dad? I keep calling him Machete because that's the movie I really remember him that's from. That's okay. Uh, Danny Trejo. Is it it Trejo? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Who is, is, you know, if you look at him. Yeah. If you look at the two, they're, yeah, they're very different and their family dynamics are very different. And when Rosa comes out to her family, that's a very complex episode or series of episodes. And so it shows a lot of the family dynamics and the way that her coworkers kind of respond to her coming out versus the way her parents do. So, I mean, I think it treats that issue in a very, I don't want to say responsible, but... Respectful, maybe? I mean, what's the opposite of problematic? (laughs) Progressive. Progressive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Words. She just rolled her eyes at me (laughs) so hard. I felt Uh, it, I didn't see it. Yeah, it happened, I promise. So you would say that Brooklyn Nine-Nine represents the result of progress in terms of female representation on TV. Oh, yes, definitely. Just females in general, but also particularly, and I because I am Latina, I keep pointing it out, but particularly in that area because, again, you know, the red lipstick, the tight clothes, and, you know, while they do dress up in different outfits on different shows, but... It, it doesn't focus. But yeah, they have so totally different styles, yes. right? Like Rosa's wearing leather jackets mm-hmm. and Amy's wearing like suits. L- lady pantsuits. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. The blazers and everything. And and um, Amy has ambition to become a captain herself. Mm-hmm. So they definitely have different goals, but it shows, you know, ambition. 
okay. that, you know, career and life. Do you think we've made Misty want to watch the show? No, I think she's distracted right now, so... <laughs> Thank you for guest bar. You're very busy, so you're going to leave. Yes. But uh, I promise we won't talk about you once you're gone. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't promise. (laughs) Okay, Misty, the part you've been dying to get to. Yay, history. So we know where we've ended up in terms of progressive representation. Yes. Tell us where we started. So we're going all the way back to the 1960s. And we're going to talk about a show called Honey West. Never heard of it. I'm not surprised. Is that a person's name? It is. The the woman's name was Honey? Yes. So it only ran for one season. It ran from 1965 to 1966. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to talk about this show is because it's the first female detective on TV. Hmm. So it's originally from a novel called This Girl for Hire. The main character is played by Anne Francis, and her persona on the show is really framed after Marilyn Monroe. So kind of the blonde bombshell honeypot, to use a phrase that's my common face, at the time. My, my face is probably what everyone's face is upon hearing. I know. I know. We have this high note of first female detective on television. And then it, it immediately is followed by this very lovely, yes, based on the bombshell Marilyn yeah, Monroe if you want to talk stereotype. About the male gaze, here you go. So her sexuality is important in the show. Okay. And we're in the 60s. Okay. So that's the thing we're talking sure. about. But does she use it herself to exploit others? Or do you think the show is exploiting her? I think it was trying to be empowering. I do think that's what the goal was. This is the most hedged answer I've ever heard. I don't think they got there. Okay. And so the um, producers talked about how she was going to be a female James Bond. She has all these gadgets. She's quick on her feet. She's a judo expert. She's a judo expert. She's a judo expert. So we have a Marilyn Monroe judo Judo expert. expert. Uh I love it. But like gadgets she has are like her lipstick is a two-way radio. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's all makeup related. So James Bond has like umbrellas that shoot lasers. She has lipstick really, radios. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So half in, half out. And I will say that she is going to try to use her sexuality as a way to like disarm the men that she's encountering, like okay. the bad guys. Sure, sure. They don't take her seriously because she's a girl and that leads to their downfall usually. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's running around in skin-tight yeah. suits, and yeah. the situations are a little ridiculous, and she's not James Bond. I mean, if she was James Bond, you would know the name Honey West. Right. Yeah. So, it just didn't quite work at that time. Do your notes say that her garter belt is a gas mask and her earrings are <laughs> tear gas grenades? Yeah. That's part of it, too. So, she's definitely not James Bond. Not James Bond. Okay. Everything she has that's gadgety like that is in some way related to being female. So there's no gadget she has that's just... Like a neutral, like it's a jacket or an umbrella or Like your sunglasses. umbrella laser is kind of neutral, right? Like yeah. Everybody... Men and women can use the umbrella laser. Right. But if James Bond's walking around with a lipstick, talking into it, people might be concerned. Okay. So we can't just give her something normal. No. It has to be like, look, she's a lady. Yeah. Hey, did you guys notice she's a lady? Constantly. Look, it's a woman. Yes. Yeah, all the time. Okay. So it only ran for one year. I wonder why. It's like the worst of both worlds. Yeah, but the reason it's canceled is actually not because it was doing that badly. The reason it was canceled was the network thought it was too expensive to keep producing. Okay. So in 
today's world, if it was reframed a little bit, this might be a show that got to stay on air. Because it wasn't unpopular. It was just short-lived. So that really set the stage for the next 10 or so years. And then in 1976, we get Charlie's Angels. Once upon a time, there were three little girls who went to the police academy. And they were each assigned very hazardous duties. But I took them away from all that, and now they work for me. My name is Charlie. So, Allegra. Are you familiar with Charlie's Angels? I wasn't familiar that he called them little girls. Yeah. And he took them away from all that. And now they just work for him. Also, what you don't see is that when he says they were assigned very hazardous jobs, that they're like doing paperwork and holding stop signs. Super hazardous. Yeah. So this show is going to run for five seasons, 1976 to 1981. Okay. And for those people who are unfamiliar, it has three female private investigators, the angels, mm-hmm. and they work for a man that you never see named Charlie. So I wanted to include this one because I'm on the fence about this. Really? Because I'm off the fence and I've rolled down the hill and I'm... Oh, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> I'm dead in the alley. Like, he just called them little girls. He did. And I mean, I so see where this show is off the rails and not empowering for women mm-hmm. but we're, we're, there's more but this is a good but they fight against villains who are primarily chauvinistic pigs they are constantly talking about maybe not using these words but about fighting the patriarchy they are constantly going up against men who misunderstand them or underestimate them and they win in the end. But don't they always end the episode by calling him on the speakerphone and basically like... Yeah, and he's surrounded sw- by girls in bikinis. Swooning. And he's on- yes. As I said, I'm on the fence. Because I could understand where a little girl watching this in the 1970s would have very few other superhero-ish okay. icons. Yeah, sure. And I could understand where that little girl watching that show could be like, oh, I can be... A fighter just like Batman yeah. or you yeah. know, whatever else it is. But yeah, I'm, I can fight for good. I can yes. take down bad guys. Yes. Okay. And they are working for Charlie, but they get themselves out of all of these situations. Sure. He doesn't swoop in and rescue them. Right. Because we've never seen him. Right. And at some point you kind of wonder, like, why do they even need Charlie? Because he doesn't seem to do a whole lot. Other than, I guess, sign checks. I guess that's what they need him for. Yeah, but I feel like they could open their own detective agency. Yes, and be fine. Do it themselves. Yes. So, like I said, I'm on the fence on this one. Now, the cons here, critics at the time even called it Jiggle TV. Whatever do you mean? (laughs) Well, they have to go undercover a lot, Allegra. And generally, when they go undercover... So, in the intro, which we just watched, they're wearing, like button-up t-shirts and bell-bottoms so they're not i mean it's they're not wearing clothes that are really remarkable but you're saying they go undercover like in bikinis and latex suits yeah and stuff? there's like a whole episode where they're bikini models well i'm sorry the two like sexy ones are bikini models and the smart one 
is the um, <laughs> hairstylist. Because you can't be both. No, you can't. And there's only one way to be sexy. Right. Okay. Yes. And so, yeah, this show has some problems, right? It's not very diverse. It's not showing more than a couple of different ways to be female. It's saying that being smart and sexy are mutually exclusive. And to be sexy, you have to look exactly like Farrah Fawcett. Yes. Or Jacqueline Smith. Yes. But again, there weren't a whole lot of options right. for they little were, girls. They were tough and strong and f- doing the right thing. And they weren't... And they weren't the sidekicks. Yeah. Okay. They were the stars of the show. And they were figuring things out and they were solving mystery. I mean, so I see it. Uh, yeah. I mean, is it something I want my daughter to watch? No. What do you want your daughter to watch? I would love her to just watch C-SPAN with me, but she's not having it. I don't think anybody's <laughs> having that. I have a very lonely life. <laughs> it's just you and C-SPAN in a closet. <laughs> I have a living room, Allegra. So, like I said, I'm undecided on this one. I can see it from both perspectives. Okay. Are you still in the ditch? Well, so here's the thing. I'm never I'm never going to watch it. Yeah. And I'm never going to I'm never going to recommend it. But Also fair. I guess I won't trash it. And I think it could have been worse. <laughs> Maybe that should just be the tagline. I, I, it could have been worse. I feel like we should just say that and then our podcast can be <laughs> over. You know the show is still on TV. I mean the reruns are. Yes, in syndication, yes. I only know that because they come on the Hallmark channel. So I see Of com- course you know that. Then. see commercials for them when I'm watching my Hallmark movies. So what show is this, Allegra? This is Murder, She Wrote. Can you explain the premise? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very ordinary... Uh, no, just kidding. It's kind of an outlandish premise. So Jessica Fletcher... It's played by Angela Lansbury. Yes. She's a famous novelist. So famous that anytime she meets a stranger, they recognize her in the show. You're Angela, Lan- or you're Jessica Fletcher. Yeah, they don't say you're Angela Lansbury. That they would, that would definitely be weird. don't say that. That would be weird. But she's a mystery writer, and she lives in a small town, Cabot Cove. And it just so happens that there's a murder every week in her town. <laughs> I kind of feel like if you're around that many murders, something is up with you. So she tends to look at it as though it's it's good that she's here. She's here for a reason, right? To solve all these murders that keep they're, happening they're all gonna, over the place. There were going to be all these murders, and so she's here so she can solve them. So was this show successful? Wildly. Yeah, it went on for 12 seasons. 12 seasons. So 1984 to 1996. And I just want you to think how different the audiences mm-hmm. were in those years. To last that long. Yeah, I mean, that's from the time I was two till the time I was in high school. Yes. Yeah. I remember my grandmother really loved the show. I mean, she I watched it show. all the time. I'd watch it. If it came on TV right now, I'd watch it. On the Hallmark Channel? Yeah. It's good. I mean, they're good. It's 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 kind of like that that cozy mystery thing I was talking about before where you're guaranteed to get some kind of satisfying ending. You're never going to see any kind of shocking violence. Uh, again, there's always going to be a dead body at some point but but it's not gruesome right it's not gruesome it's not gory and you know sometimes they get into a little bit of the scientific investigation but they're never gonna like show you the person's brains or anything like that that they would on csi or or bones so 
she's very pleasant. She's very plucky. She's very smart. And she is often underestimated because she's a little old lady. And I think that's important, right? Because up until this point, our female detectives on TV have been Honey West mm-hmm. and Charlie's Angels. Yeah. And so it's interesting for for an older woman, A, to be the lead of a show. Yes. And to be the only lead on the show. I mean, the only other people who are kind of leads are just recurring characters. So her friend is the police chief and he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. And so he's help, he's glad to have her help him solve all the crimes. And then a lot of episodes she's traveling. So she solves a crime in New York. And I know, I remember there was an episode where she goes to Ireland. I know she went to Florida one time. Yeah. And Probably so more than once. Wherever she is, she's solving, there, a murder happens and she's solving it. And when she's not at home, she has to convince the police to let her help because they don't, they're like, you're just a novelist. You can't help us. And then she convinces them to help. And of course she outsmarts everyone. And so she, she fits into that, that archetype we talked about last time of the consulting detective. She has a little bit of an odd personal life, right? She's a widow. She lives alone. She's a novelist and she's solving all these murders. She's not a opium addict like Sherlock Holmes, but she is able to make these connections that other people can't make. She sees things that other people can't see, and she is often underestimated. Because she is a woman right? because she's older. Right, and she uses it to her advantage. Yes. And then she is also independently wealthy because she's a novelist she makes right because all novelists are independently well i mean she's like a famous one right like she's every book is the bestseller novelist so how do you think this show is for representation of women on television i think that are you rolling out of the ditch and back on the road or (laughs) so i think that jessica fletcher herself is is a great representation of a lot of things okay but I don't think the show itself is very progressive. I mean, the show is almost comically white. Right. I mean, it's like the whitest show on TV that's ever been on TV. And so there's not a lot of representation outside. And and there's not a lot of socioeconomic yeah. d- diversity or variety. And they don't ever deal with, at least not in my memory, really... D- nitty gritty issues they don't ever address societal issues and if we're talking about a show that came on in 1984 and aired till 1996 there were major social issues and major social changes not just within women's movement but society in general yes a hugely important time period you know that better than i do and they don't really get into any of it i think though the importance of this show is in the fact that she is older female and well-respected. Yeah, I mean, she was famous before she was on the show, and I think that helped. Yes. But you're right. I think that in and of itself is important. And I think it's almost like secret feminism. Low-key feminism? Why? Well, because we're packaging it in this very nice, like you said, cozy mm-hmm. sort of box. But it's a female who's independent, yeah. solving crimes on her own, doing it better than the men around mm-hmm. her, and who is not relying on really on a whole lot of other people to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has helpers every now and then sure. and she gets the clues and all that, but basically doing it on her own. So it's almost like stealth feminism to me. We're packaging it up so you don't notice what's happening. Okay. If we just make her sit down and have some tea once in a while, <laughs> then it's okay that she's a lead female out there on her own. Yeah. And I mean, 30 million viewers a week. That's so much. Um, plus Golden Globes and Emmys. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if you're going to have stealth feminism, that's a good way to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's sending a kind of empowering message in a very easy to digest package. Yes, yeah, for sure. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with the 90s, you know, your favorite time. So you think that there were a lot of episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Do you know how many episodes of Law and Order there are? Where there were? Just regular Law and Order. Not the spinoffs. No suffix. 250. More than that. 350. More than that. So the show aired from 1990 to 2010. So it's 20 years. And it's an ensemble show. The roles kind of, the main actors kind of rotated. So it yes. started with an essential cast and then different people would, event- and out, would yeah. eventually leave and new people would come into the roles. But there's two detectives, their lieutenant, so the boss detective, uh, one or two assistant district attorneys and the the district attorney who really never, I mean, I think he just sits behind a desk and is like, don't do this, do this. The assistant district attorneys are the ones who do all the courtroom things. The most, so the person who stayed on the show the longest, the one actor who is in the most episodes is S. Apatha Merkerson, who was on 391 episodes as Lieutenant Anita Van Buren. And she is the boss of the team of detectives on the show. And so starting in 1990, running through 2010, we had a woman of color playing a supervisor to detectives on a primetime that's a big deal please show it is a big deal what year did you say starts in 1990 okay because we talked about our in our last episode with um people moving into higher ranks in law enforcement yeah and that really only starts in 1985 okay so that's pretty close yeah and i think the show wanted to capture it the show was very interested i mean dick wolf produced the show and he's very interested in not necessarily making it realistic to the T, but in portraying the kinds of things that were really happening with police uh, and and district attorney's offices. And so the, the good news is she's the boss and she's in the most episodes. The bad news kind of is that because she plays the lieutenant, she's never the most prominent character in an episode, right? Because mm. she's not on the streets solving the crimes. She's not chasing the people. She's not doing the arresting. For the most part, she's not doing the interrogating. Sometimes they bring her in. Um, because she has a special skill set. She does the especially tough things. So she's the boss, but she's never the star of the show. That makes sense. She's like in the background right. almost a little bit. Right. So some people think it's kind of like, oh, you put a black woman on the show. And yes, you made her the boss, but you didn't make her the prominent role. So it, there's a plus and a minus there. But she openly, openly discusses issues of gender and race. She talks about the challenges that she faces in her job and how she, the challenges she faced to get to her job because of her gender and her race. And she um, is often the toughest person on the episode. So people shy away from things and she confronts them head on. So it's not just that we have this character and we can check off the box for representation and we're not going to actually discuss it. Right. She goes into those discussions. I think Absolutely. that's important. And and that's something that has been recently discussed in terms of representation is you don't just hire an actor of color, but you have a character. It's intentional representation. They 
it it couldn't be played by anybody other than an actor of color. And so, yes, she she openly discusses it. She's also a parent and so sometimes she talks about the challenges of being a parent, a working parent, um and a parent who has a very tough and sometimes dangerous job. There are several times there are female detectives on the shows and of course the spin-offs have female detectives. The the main character in SVU is a female. Yes, and we've talked about SVU before. And then Criminal Mind or Criminal Intent. Criminal Intent, I think. One of the two main detectives is always a female. And is there another spinoff? I feel like there was. Yeah. So it's a Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order LA, Law and Order Trial by Jury. Okay. And so, and then the show that's on TV now called FBI is not a spinoff, but it's the same people who made it. Uh, and that show... So it has like a similar feel to it. Very, very similar. It has it has actors who were on Law & Order. One of the supervisors in the show is a woman, and one of the main detectives is a female. Oh, it looks like there's also a limited series that are part of the Law & Order family. Law & Order True Crime. So they had one about the Menendez oh, brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a Law & Order UK. Okay, so there's a lot of y'all. Oh, yeah, they wear wigs on that one, I think. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's a great book about Law and & Order and female representation. It's called All-American TV Crime Drama, Feminism and Identity, Politics and Law & Order SVU. And so the book is mostly about SVU, but it does talk about SVU's predecessor, which is regular Law and & Order, and its role of in kind of gender politics on TV. And so that book's called All American TV Crime Drama. And I think the show was a step in the right direction. And I think towards the end of the show, they gave the character more depth. They showed her like in her family life, she she got cancer. And so they showed her kind of struggling with that. And well, struggling mostly with with paying for her medical treatment, but they gave her more layers of complexity toward the end. So overall analysis of the show? Good, good, bad, good, good. good. And especially because it, it it didn't give birth, but because it led to SVU, which is now longer running than Law & Order yes, was, I think. Yes, And SVU has its own set of issues. It's not all sure, progressive. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it's better than it could be. Yeah. And it's better than it used to be. It, yes, it, for the sure. The show itself is evolving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The next show I want to talk about is one of my all-time... All time. Favorite shows. So don't criticize it too much? Don't criticize it at all. Okay. Got it. Just kidding. Just keep my mouth shut. Be honest. Okay. So the show is CSI. Don't love it, but I've seen it. You don't love it. Don't love it. Okay. So it's also an ensemble show. The main character is always the supervisor, and that changes a couple of times during the course of the show. But in all three time, all three supervisors are male. The very last one is Ted Danson. Oh, interesting. And the middle one is Lawrence Fishburne. So, but there are several very important female characters. One is played by Marg Helgenberger. She plays Catherine Willows, who becomes a supervisor in like the fifth or sixth season. And so she is promoted and she's very prominent in the show. Georgia Fox is on the show. And then Liz Vassy plays uh, DNA Tech. And she... Like all the kind of dorky lab guys all have crushes on her and she's very good at deflecting them and being professional, but also kind of using her wits 
to help her solve crime. So she doesn't go out into the field, but she has a very interesting character. And Elizabeth Shue is on the later seasons with Ted Danson. And so all of them have very prominent roles in the show. It's not super diverse. Most of the characters are white. Almost all of the lead characters are white. So it has this very weird dynamic okay in terms of whether or not it's progressive okay so it shows you without really any sort of judgment a lot of different lifestyles a lot of like fetishists and motorcycle clubs and diverse religions and body types and habits and cultures and so it's very diverse in terms of who the victims are and who the perpetrators are and it is also very weird right because i mentioned earlier it shows us a lot of things that maybe people aren't really even aware exist in terms of subcultures and they kind of investigate what a person was like and so that in an you know exposing us to different kinds of lifestyles and different approaches to culture are very interesting but it's not always without problems yeah <laughs> like how you're like i know <laughs> so like there's an episode that i see that i saw recently actually and it's, is this still on air like actively no 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 okay. it was 2000 to 2015 okay but it's on hulu the whole show oh uh, okay so a person who appears to be a male is dead. Okay. And he's been tortured. They find the body. They realize the person has breasts. And then they say, oh, I thought this man was a man. And then, so they're they're joking. They're mocking. Someone else says, tortured tranny strung up on a tree. I don't like that. No. And then someone says that the only thing that could have gotten him up there is hate. And the thing is, hate crimes against trans people happen super important thing to discuss something that people don't talk about enough something that's not on enough tv shows but the language and the approach isn't great and also it turns out that this person was actually being poisoned by the water source and that was messing with their hormones and so it was not even a transgender person to begin with so It seems like it's going to deal with an important issue and it kind of fumbles it and then it's like, that's not really what's going on anyway. So again, it gets close to being progressive and representative, but it never really does. So I think the other thing that's problematic about CSI, and not just CSI, but this is the easy one to pick on, is it misrepresents forensic technology oh, to 100% of the time, yes. And so there has been a real life consequence of this, where if people are in a jury, mm-hmm. they want to see the CSI, CSI mm-hmm. evidence, and it's not always there. Right. And it's for sure not done in a half hour or right. over commercial break. Right. So I think... Other than just feminism, there are some issues here with this show. Now, should people be getting their forensic knowledge from television? Probably not, but it happens. So personally, I watch it the same way I might watch like The Lord of the Rings. I think that's how you have to approach this. It's fantasy. It's fascinating to watch, but there's no connection to real life. Like the, the forensic investigators are all carrying weapons and they interrogate suspects. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Right, that doesn't happen. They're not sworn officers of the law. They're not law enforcement officers. And so they would never carry a weapon and they would never interrogate a suspect. They might be asked to interact with suspects to collect 
DNA or other evidence, but they would never be in that role. So again, I watch it like it's Lord of the Rings. And so it's fascinating, but it's happening in a fantasy world. It's not real in any way. Yeah, and I think if, as long as you watch it knowing that, you're probably going to be better off anyway. But, but there are there are things about the show that are positive. Yes. And, and, yeah. the sh- and, and just like Law and Order, the show evolves itself over time. So that episode I was telling you about where they make these kind of not appropriate remarks it happens maybe in the fifth of 15 seasons. And so it does correct itself as it goes the same way Friends did. But it never it, it never gets to a territory where I would say that is a, like we were talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. I would never say this is a show that's represent has great representation, that's progressive, that is reflecting the kind of culture that we want to see. But it did expose us to a lot of things that we didn't see before. There's a whole, there's a recurring character who plays a dominatrix and it's not salacious. It's very interesting. They get into kind of like the psychology of, of all of those kinds of things. And so... And the character that Mark Helgenberger plays is very tough and strong and she's a single mom and she doesn't take crap from anybody and she's very, very smart. And she talks about, you know, how important it is to get promoted and to be a female in this world. And so there are moments where it really shines. But overall, I don't think that I would say it's our feminist beacon of hope on TV. Well, I think the fact that you talk about her being a working mom is important. Yes. Because if we look at these other detectives we've talked about, Honey West didn't have kids. Right. Charlie's Angels didn't have kids. Jessica Lance, sorry, Jessica Lansbury. That's completely wrong. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher is right. an older woman with an right. empty nest. So I think portraying that you could do this job and still be a mom, that yeah, those are and, not and mutually it, exclusive, that's important. And it really, it really does get into those issues. Like she has, her mom has to watch her kids sometimes. And she, you know, and then there are issues where like, you know, she's worried about her own child because she's seeing all of this murder and destruction all over the world. So yeah, I mean, it does get into that issue a lot. That's really the only kind of, I would say, feminist thing that it really explores in depth. So it's like a... A B, a solid B on our grading I would say it's a C. It's a C? Okay. Yeah. It had an opportunity being an ensemble show to give us more More of those ideas, more representation and diversity. And it really didn't. I mean, even so Lawrence Fishburne eventually becomes a supervisor. But then in the very end, where they had a chance to bring two or three new characters on because a lot of people were leaving the show and they were kind of just trying to keep it on the air because it was so popular. They bring in Elizabeth Shue and Ted Danson, both whom I love personally, but like you had a chance to give us... To really break the mold. That's like, you know, 2012, 2013. Right. Where people are actively asking for more diversity on TV and you give us two more straight white characters. So it's a C. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Speaking of Ted Danson. Yes. You love Ted Danson? I like The Good Place. Okay. So you know who else is on The Good Place? Kristen Bell. So you want to talk about Veronica Mars? I would love to listen about it because I never watched the show. I've never seen an episode of it. It's coming back. See, and I don't love that. Why? I don't think everything needs to get remade. Like the first Wives Club does not need to get remade. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Leave good stuff alone. You don't even know if it's good. You've never seen it. I'm talking about the first Wives Club. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't know Veronica Mars is good or bad. You've never seen it. Okay, well, tell me about it. Okay, so it had three seasons. It was on from 2004 to 2007. And that was it. So it originally came on UPN, if you remember that channel. And then it was on the CW. Yes. But it has kind of cult status. So the people who did watch it really, really love it. It's very complex. It's very interesting. And it has a... 
you know, a female lead, which is Kristen Bell. She at the she used to be like an annoying, stereotypical, popular girl with a hot jock boyfriend. Okay. Her best friend is murdered. Okay. And she is sexually assaulted. And so as a result of that, she kind of evolves or changes as a person. And she becomes more of kind of a smart mouth, sarcastic outcast. And that's kind of where the show starts. Okay. So, she used so that's to be, all like the background? Yeah, that's the okay. background. And so she... Her dad is a detective. I think he has like a PI agency and she helps him investigate. But okay. she's the lead of the show. It is a very progressive show, especially for a teen drama or a mystery show. Because it is, I mean, it is dealing with her recovering from trauma. It is dealing with her changing and growing as a person, as an adolescent. She's young and she's female. She's not physically strong, but she's funny. And she's kind of mentally, emotionally strong. She has a relatively low socioeconomic status. Her dad's basically a small businessman. Okay. And so they're not wealthy, which the show easily could have made her wealthy. Right. Just, oh, yeah, we live in a big house and we're just going to assume that her dad's business makes tons of money. Um, She's very funny. She's very quick witted. And she often took down very high powered men. So it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about Charlie's Angels. She's often confronting the kind of patriarchal yes. system. And so she was definitely a kind of feminist. It was It's kind of like a feminist updated Nancy Drew. Okay. And she's very enterprising and she's a young female detective. I, I, I don't even know if you can watch these three seasons. I don't know if there's anywhere you can watch them other than like buying... The DVDs, the DVDs or the Blu-rays, but Hulu is is making a reboot. I think it's a it's like ten episodes, and of course she's not a teenager anymore. Oh, so is it going to use Kristen Bell? Oh, it was Kristen Bell's on it. For oh, sure. so they're not remaking no. it; they're continuing it. Yeah, sorry. Okay, that's different. Okay, yeah, Kristen Bell's on it. Okay, yeah, hmm. it's fun. I mean, but I mean, it is for teenagers, so you know they're they use slang and they go to high school, but it's a good show. So you think this one is a a good representation. Absolutely. I mean, I, I I wouldn't give it an A because of its kind of lack of diversity, but it's pretty good. All right. It's much more complex, and she's definitely the lead of the show, and she handles it well because she's Kristen Bell. What is she not going to do well? Right. Name something. She could do it well. I think she's been in Broadway. I mean, she's on Frozen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Isn't that funny? She's Anna on Frozen, but her kids always make her dress up like uh, Elsa because kids right so the last show i want to talk about okay is the closer also don't know anything about this one are you surprised no i'm not either so the closer was a show on tnt starring kira sedgwick okay it's also an ensemble show but but in this case she's definitely the lead character and then the people who work for her are the ensemble and this show is much more diverse okay and like i said she's not a typical she's not of a typical age for a female lead and so it's interesting in that regard but she's also the boss she's the captain and she is the toughest smartest coolest person on the show the people who work for her openly question her competence all the time at the beginning and then they kind of realize oh she's good at her job right the show deals with kind of her home life in some episodes and you see 
that, you know, her fiance is an FBI agent. Her parents are sometimes in the show. And it's very interesting how the show deals with it because she puts her job first. So if she has to leave a family dinner to go to a crime scene, she goes. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't. And so she, in that way, they deal with that conflict, that home life work balance conflict. And they do it in a way that kind of suggests that she's consciously making a choice to prioritize solving crimes and helping victims over other things that she could be doing in her life. So it's not that she doesn't know how to create a work-life balance. It's very clearly showing her making a conscious choice to to choose work. To, to choose work and to prioritize things that way because she knows that she is good at what she does and she makes a difference. And they call it the closer because if she gets somebody into an interrogation, she can get them to confess. Okay. But so is has, she more Charlie's Angels or more Jessica Fletcher? She's neither. Really? So yeah. It's completely new mold. Yes. Okay. And that's why I think it's interesting. And so when she wanted to leave the show, Keir Sedgwick did, she, most of the people who were on the show wanted or wanted to stay. And so it kind of, it's not even a spinoff. They made a new show with a new title with all of, almost all of the same characters with a different person playing the captain. And that person was also a female over the typical age. So they... That show was called Major Crimes. And, okay. And was, to me, just, just as representative. Is that show still on? No. Okay. But I think its last season was like last year. So it just... Recently. Recently. Okay. Yeah. Both of those were on TNT. Okay. Yeah. What's your grade on that one? I think those shows are A's. Okay. They, I mean, they do... They, they have that, that thing we were saying about a lot of crime shows where because... Every episode, they're basically going into a different person's house. They have an opportunity to show us lots of different lifestyles, lots of different subcultures. I mean, they, you know, they deal with street gangs. They deal with rich people. They deal with Hollywood because the show's set in Los Angeles. Different cultures, different religions, different socioeconomic statuses. And they try to avoid playing into stereotypes while being authentic. So they might have like Hispanic street gangs on the show, but they don't try to, I don't think they play too much into stereotypes. And there is, you know, a, a Hispanic member of the team who I kind of grew up in that neighborhood and they explore him going into law enforcement instead of following the path of many people around him. Okay. So they're setting up uh, more complex nuances. Absolutely. And that, that I think is what sets it apart from a show like CSI. Okay. Where the, where there's a lot of diversity in terms of the topics they but explore. But it's almost like cardboard diversity. But it's not as, as complex. Yeah. And it's, very, it's more like flashy, salacious in CSI and more complex and almost kind of literary in The Closer. I would say it's kind of the difference. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's very much like CSI is like genre fiction and the closers kind of like a, a literary approach. So it's great because you've never seen any of these shows. I, you just have to take my word for all of it. I can't argue with you. I, I could just be making up the names of TV shows at this point. And well, you even if even I know. don't know, somebody listening to us is going to know and they're going to write you and tell you that you're wrong. Plus, you also know I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know. So where do you think this leaves us right now with? this representation of female law enforcement on television. So a couple of shows we we talked about, Christina mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a comedy. Yes. But it's still a police show. FBI is on TV right now. SVU. 
SVU. Still on TV. Yeah. FBI is interesting. I don't know how popular it is, but uh, one of the main characters is is a Muslim detective. And so they they discuss that and they give that some, some complexity and nuance. SVU, as we've talked about, is evolving itself and becoming more progressive and dealing with more complex issues. And, and, and of course, we have shows like Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder, which we know are shows by Shonda Rhimes, and we know are intentionally diverse, intentionally representative, intentionally progressive. They're created to be those things. Yes. And so I think those shows are where we are now. Shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and shows like How to Get Away with Murder. I mean, Scandal's over, but it's over recently. I think that people are... So we're kind of at the highlight right now. Yeah. And the thing about, about Shonda shows is that's a person of color making shows prominently featuring people of color intentionally being representative and progressive yes so we should look for more shows like that hopefully in the future yes okay because they're demonstrating that those shows are have an audience so we talked about last episode that women in the united states only represent 13 percent of law enforcement yeah do you feel like that is equivalent to what we're seeing on television or do you feel like it's overrepresented on television because i feel like it's an overrepresentation right now on television so i yeah i do i think there are there's more than 13 percent on tv yes i don't have a statistic to back that up no i don't need my belief but there i mean i've seen every crime show ever made (laughs) i don't doubt you it's hyperbole but most of them i've seen there's more than 13 percent of those characters are female but i think Part of the problem is that they were underrepresented, and I think underrepresentation created this low number, or is part of the cause of the low number of females who are in law enforcement. So you think that number in real life is going to grow? Yes. Yeah, I agree with that because I think there are initiatives out there to get that to happen. Oh, yeah. And if there's research to suggest that women are effective as police officers, and in some cases more effective, then there's no reason why police departments wouldn't be actively recruiting yes. women to be police officers. And, and then this fictional representation on television could lead people to choose that as a career. Absolutely. Yes, I yeah. think so too. It's obviously not going to be the sole cause of an increase Nobody or should base their career off of television. Right. That's not what we're saying. Right. But it might but give you, you an idea but of something you, you might follow into I your... Mean, passions later it's what representation means in part right if you see it then you can believe that it's possible yes and also having more diverse representation yes so even though it's it's mostly been white women and if we have women and so now we have women of different races and different backgrounds and different sexualities and so that i think will help yes the more people you see who resemble you or whom you can relate to the more likely you can envision yourself in that position. Exactly. Yes. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to save the world. That's my final assessment. You're welcome. So what's next to your lady life, Allegra? In just a week, I'm actually playing Brooklyn Nine-Nine trivia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which For is what- fun or because somebody's making you? Why would someone make me? I don't know. This I seems weird. play trivia. Misty. Oh, at your thing, your yes. trivia nights. Okay. Bar trivia. Okay. Yes. yes. And they're having a themed trivia, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I've been re-watching it, and I'm going to keep re-watching it, and I'm going to play the trivia, and I'll let you know how I did. How many seasons have there been of that? The sixth season has just started. So it's a while. Okay. Yeah. What's next in your lady life, Misty? 
So what is next in my lady life is I started reading a book to do these last two episodes. Was it a novel? No. It's called Pistols and Petticoats, 175 Years of Lady Detectives in Fact and Fiction. And I'm going to finish that book before I move on to our next topic. This is pretty interesting. Did you say it's called Pistols and Petticoats? Pistols and Petticoats. Because that definitely sounds like a Miranda Lambert song. (laughs) It probably could be. It probably is. Okay. Pistols and Petticoats, 175 Years of Lady Detectives in Fact and Fiction. Yes. And it's good? I like it. Even though it's not fiction? Well, I mean, I like it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and if you're looking for another podcast, I recommend Dear Murder Street. And I'm Allegra, and I'm going to recommend Haunted Happenstance. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in the future, or how great you think we are. Which has got to be pretty great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Professors, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or same email, Professors at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to everyone who's been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend. And remember, there's strength in diversity.